Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome into the Landry Football Podcast for this Thursday, October 8th. As we've got an interesting week of football headed with some weather that could affect some of the college games. It uh, doesn't look like it's going to affect a lot of the NFL uh, games, but we shall see. Certainly, Storm is heading to the Gulf Coast um, near where I'm speaking with you from. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. We're going to get into some of um, the latest information around the league. I want to talk a little bit about the midseason coaching fires and what that entails. And certainly, we had Bill O'Brien this week um, get let go by the Houston, Texas, kind of how you make those decisions. We know you've got situations in New York with the Jets and Atlanta with Dan Quinn and Jets with Adam Gase and what they're thinking through and trying to figure that out. How do you, having been through that process of making an in-season coaching change, we'll talk a little bit about how that process works. And then who might be fits and focus on one guy that's not a fit for the NFL that's been brought up in the typical media rumors, but a lot to react to a lot as we like to do during the football season, kind of react to the week that was as you absorb the film and then get ready for the, uh, the upcoming games this week. Look, one of the things I always like to do is kind of break down through the process of a film uh, to see exactly uh, where things are in the league. And, and at this point, I do want to start with what's going on uh, with the effect of COVID in the situation of the postponement of the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game and how this might affect things going forward. Uh, I admit that I have kind of been uh, laxed in thinking that, um, boy, the NFL's got this figured out. And I do think they have a very good plan. But like most, I thought, well, we're not going to have much going on here. We're not going to have any problems. We're going to get through this season. And then we had this past week. And what is being investigated right now is trying to figure out what did the Titans do or didn't did do or didn't do in terms of following protocol and what problems that resulted with that. And there's no question with all the issues, and they've got yet another positive test, something's going awry. They haven't done something correct there. If they're not following proper protocols, 
you're going to have a problem. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And there's going to be fines, you know, a lot of different things that could happen. But it's an issue. Okay, no question about it. And we'll let the investigative process take its course and figure out what's at fault, who's at fault, can they prove it, all of those things are forthcoming. But the one thing that I wanted to talk about, and I've mentioned this before, and I have kind of forwarded things a little bit for us. Could you imagine if this was a playoff game? If Could you imagine that if last week was the first round of the playoffs, for example, just to throw it out? Well, you've got a whole playoff that's screwed up. You got a canceled game, a postponed game. When are you going to play it later? Well, that affects the schedule for everybody else the next week. Because who you play, who advances, you're looking at a disaster if it were the playoffs. And I'm just saying, and I've talked to friends in the league, and I just keep saying, if you don't get to a bubble in the playoffs, you're in trouble. Now, what I mean by a bubble, not like an NBA or NHL bubble where you're going to play in one stadium. I mean, that's an option. That's not something that I think is is going to happen or needs to happen. But what needs to happen right now, certainly in the regular season, is more stringent protocols that are followed. But you can't risk somebody screwing up during the playoffs. So... The, the thing that I'm proposing is it's as simple as this. You make the playoffs. Every team will have a hotel that they're sequestered in. They're isolated, completely sterilized. No one can go in or out with all the proper testing. And the only people that can be in are the players, the coaches, the support staff that need to be there. Okay, and only those people can go to the games. Um, and, and, you know, I think you need to look at that. And I think you need to, obviously, if you're at the point where fans can go to games, they, they need to be separated so far that it can't infiltrate any players or sports staff. And sports staff, you know what I'm talking about, trainers, equipment men, people that have to be there people that work the game, the officials, the sideline crew, the ball boys, all of that, part of the equipment staff. And you go from a sterile hotel to a sterile practice facility to, well, via a sterile bus, a sterile bus taking players from the facility directly to the airport to a sterile plane that flies to another location, to a sterile bus, to a sterile hotel on the road to a sterile stadium facility. It's the only way. It's the only way because you are going to jeopardize something that is going to be very difficult. And, and, and I think, I know it's something that they're discussing. I don't know how serious, I don't know exactly what chances, but it's something that that's what came into my mind. Look in the regular season game, 
they can decide if the Titans need to forfeit a game or a fine or just reschedule and play it at another date, which is right now scheduled. They can figure that out. You can get through a season. You've got enough games to where you don't have to do it in a bubble during the regular season. You can look, you've got a winning percentage that you can base who makes the playoffs on. You don't have to make it strictly on everybody's got to play the same amount of games. You you can get through the season. Can't do this in the playoffs. And I know we're a long ways away from it. And I don't know what it's going to look like in terms of this COVID as we get towards later fall and winter. Where, and I mean, from what they say, colder weather could provide problems and breakouts. And I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm just saying from a logistical standpoint, from a practical standpoint, this is something that needs to be looked at hard. The other, uh, the big news, don't know that anybody would have had Bill O'Brien in the pool of the coaches that could be fired first. That's exactly what happened. You had Dan Quinn off to a bad start. We're on watch there. You know the situation with Adam Gase, the Jets. We're on watch there. The situation with Bill O'Brien has been intriguing. He's been there a while, seven years. He's had control over personnel. He's gotten the GM title. He's basically had a lot of leeway, and things begin to sour. And you combine that with a start of the season of a schedule. It's very difficult. Three teams that I thought they would lose to, they did. The final straw obviously was the loss to Minnesota because that was a winnable game that was at home. But it wasn't just that. Usually, everybody says it's that game or it's a series of games. Well, of course it is. But like I always say, it's the process that creates the result. That's what you evaluate. Well, what what happened is the process was failing and failing miserably, and the response was not there, and that led to some big-time issues. Frustrations, boiling over, and the end result was the losses. So that leads to the, the results, not the results changing it. I think those things often unravel sometimes before our eyes and it hastens the decision of making a move from a coach. It is a tough situation. You know, there's a philosophy that's been in football for a long time. And I I think, the most important thing you've got to evaluate as a football administrator is where is the problem? What is the issue there? Um, You're dealing with situations individually that you've got to evaluate personnel issues, 
coaching issues and when they fall under one decision maker, you know, there's no way to run nowhere to hide. Now, usually you get administrators who will throw a coach under the bus and that's why you see more coaches get fired than general managers. But the reality is you've got to evaluate it as all right, what, how does this make us better? What is the real problem? You know, fans and media get frustrated and they make snap judgments. That's great for you. But you're not involved in the decision. You don't know what's going on and you're affecting a whole lot of people's lives and families' lives. You better damn sure know what the hell you're doing and know what the hell you're evaluating. It's a tough business. Firing's a part of it. But we see people scapegoat fire people all the time and recycle them in and out like it's just a revolving door. That's horse bleep and usually leads to a dysfunctional organization. And so you've got to be really careful and know what you're doing. I, I get it. When there's no accountability for a decision, if you're a fan or in the media, well, then, you know, it's easy to say, fire the guy, do this, do that. The issue is not replacing a guy and firing him. The issue is already knowing what direction you want to go. You may not know specifically the guy that you can get. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But when you make a decision, you need to decide what it is that's wrong and then how we're going to fix it and who can fix it, and how do we put it together? And when you do that, and you know that, then that's when you make the move. The whole, well, this guy ain't working. It doesn't matter. We can hire anybody. No, that's when you get into the same crap that you know what organizations hire and fire a coach every two to three years. You're going to tell me it's not the culture of constant change constant instability that's creating the problem or contributing to it a great deal? Of course it is. So don't be part of the problem if you're a football administrator. Be part of the solution. Evaluate it because I'm going to tell you it's important to know why it's not working. And it's also important to know why it is working when it does work. That's the most important thing. Whereas the outsiders, the fans, and the media say, it doesn't matter why it's not working. It's not working. Fire the guy. No. Understand why it's not working. Then that will lead you to your decision to stay longer, get rid of the guy, correct the issues that might be able to fix it with what you have, explore all the options. Because the ability to identify why it's not working, is the first step towards making sure that you don't go do the same thing again with somebody else. Because then it's you. Then it's you're the problem. You hired the guy. What did you do wrong there? What did you misevaluate there? What did we not do to support him? What You've got to turn over every stone and look at it. So when you make this move, there's usually something behind the scenes, not just a, well, four games are moving up. Well, no, what happened in Houston was a lot of upheaval, a lot of player revolt, particularly J.J. Watt. 
So what is going to happen is they're going to split up the front office and coaching roles. Is it going to be Jack used to be, or did they look at other options? Don't know. It's going to be a big factor. Um, by the way, if you got a question and you're watching the show live, you can check us out on the Landry Football Twitch channel. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on follow Chris on Twitch, and you can find us there. And you can see um, – I think you can send us an email if you listen to us uh, on the podcast. We can answer it the next time. Um, Drevin says when Dan Quinn is fired, uh, who in your opinion would be um, – good replacement. Let me get that up there if I can find it. Um, Look, you know, I think that there's, um, there we go. There are a number of guys that would be good fits. I'm not ready to publicly start talking about that. I'm not real comfortable doing it, but there's some really good folks um, that I think would be good fits. Um, The availability, interest level. Um, first of all, there are bigger decisions to be made in Atlanta. Do you stay with the front office structure? I mean, I think Rich McKay is there because of his league involvement. And he's somebody that just is a right-hand guy, a team president type of role for Arthur Blank. But what do you do with Tommy Dimitrov? I mean, he's been involved in two of these coaching hires and they've not worked. Does he get involved in the third one? Do you let Rich become more involved in the process? Do you hire a general manager and let them be involved? Or do you open up the potential for a head coach by giving some freedom of control to where he can hire his own personnel guy? You got to evaluate what do you think of your personnel department? Where do you think they've gone wrong? Got to look at all that. Got to evaluate all that. Got to got to make. So I think that there's there's a bunch of different folks that would or would not be good fits depending upon what they do in the front office. So we'll we'll get to that. Great question. Hold on to it. We'll. Um, how much different will the scouting process be due to COVID nineteen? Burns says, assuming scouts are back on the road, but maybe in limited – Burns, it's a great question, and I've addressed it a few times. I'm, I'll address it here. Um, scouting process already has been affected. You can't go into many of these schools. They're not allowing the scouts in. So the scouts are doing film work at their facility or at their homes. Their homes. Most cases, most scouts don't live in the city that they leave. They live in the area in which they scout. Do it at their home. And they've been doing the work that you do when you visit. A school has been done by Zoom calls, just like the rest of the world. So it's not ideal. And you can't see practices in college. So um, some have allowed scouts in be- you know, it's a little bit safer in some places or presumed to be. And so it's affecting it a great deal. Uh, everybody has to adjust, no question. Uh, but, you know, back to the co- coaching hires are an issue. Now, what's going to happen in um, Houston? 
I think we'll have to look if Jack Easterby is really involved. Uh, if he remains, meaning uh, he's got ties to New England, obviously, um, got ties to Josh McDaniel. We'll see if that's something that might fit or might work. Um, I'm sure Eric Bieniemy is going to be high on the list. You've got a quarterback that I think the focus needs to be. You got to get that quarterback, and you got to put the talent around them that may not look like Patrick Mahomes, but that's the mission. That's the goal. Can we find our young Andy Reid? So Eric Bieniemy may be something they take a stab at. One thing that does not make any sense. What's the first guy that people mention? Dabo Sweeney would be a great fit. Why? Because he coached Deshaun Watson. Folks, let me explain the difference in college and pro coaching. Some guys like a Nick Saban that can do it all would have had success if he stayed in the NFL. But a guy like Dabo Sweeney is a salesman. He's a recruiter. He's not a great strategist. He doesn't, he relates well. I think he communicates well. He can handle that. But this is a schematic league. This is getting the most out of your players type league. Clemson wins because they recruit well and he's hired good coaches. You don't have a significant talent advantage in the NFL, even the worst team in the league comparatively speaking to the best team in the league, the gap is a lot smaller. Whereas the gap between Clemson and the second best team in the ACC is way big. So not a good fit would not be a good fit. So always remember that guys that are more of the, um, organizers, overseers, you know, Dabo's strength is recruiting. You don't take that guy out of college football and put him in the NFL where you really, his uses are just on hiring. You got to basically hire the staff. If you, so why a guy like a Cliff Kingsbury gets hired, even though he didn't have success in college, because he wasn't hired to be a personnel guy. He wasn't hired um, for anything other than coaching the offense and the quarterback. We'll hire the coaches and we'll do that. You know, is that a real fit? Is Dabo going to be great in hiring coaches? Look, he's done a good job at Clemson, but what they've done the best is recruit well. And his coaches on his staff develop well. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. But just like not every player translates into the NFL, every great college player translates in the NFL. It doesn't same thing applies in college. So no, I don't like that. Don't think that's a fit, and, but it's kind of a typical, well, he'd be really good. No, it would not be really good. would be really, really poor in that regard. Uh, just like there's some guys that would not be good fits in college that are in the NFL. Um, I want to get to this week of action and look at, see what's on the table. Uh, and the question is, do you think Saban will give the NFL another try, or has that boat sailed? Boat has sailed, uh, Drevens. No, that's done. He's done, and mainly here's a little story, a backstory about Nick for people who are new here. Nick and I go way back. I recommended him for the job at LSU way back when LSU hired Jerry DiNardo and then helped kind of secure the deal when Mark Emmert was the chancellor at LSU to get him from Michigan State to LSU. Nick is really uh, like the NFL. That was his preference. 
Nick did not want to leave the Dolphins. His wife, Carrie, did. Carrie is, uh, she loves being Miss Louisiana. She was coach at, they were coach at LSU. Um, she loves being Miss Alabama. She loves that part of it. She loves the recruiting weekends. They've got a fabulous house on the lake in Tuscaloosa. They've taken a huge, huge room upstairs. They've made it the home, in-home recruiting room where it has like jukeboxes and other stereo system stuff that she loves all that stuff. Well, you don't have any of that stuff in the NFL. Nobody knows who the coach's wives are, even if the coach is married. They, they don't care about that stuff in the NFL. Nick is all football all the time, and he likes that. Now, he does love college football, and he runs the college program like an NFL team. But he's not leaving. No, at his age, he wants to finish it there. He doesn't want to move anywhere else. Um, and Terry would not be happy with that. Um you know, so I think that that ship has sailed and I think he's there. But my point is, I think that, look, had he been had he signed Drew Brees as he wanted to. He may have never left Miami. Who knows? You know, different ownership. So that could have been a problem and a, a stickler for him. He loved Wayne Heisinger, the late Wayne Heisinger. But no, I, um, I think that that's that ship has sailed. Uh, looking ahead to this weekend, again, if you got any more questions, send them to me. I will get to it. As I want to take a look at some of the action uh, this week. Um, going to start uh, in college football, where uh, the things I'm focusing on in this week's action is, and I'm kind of doing it in chronological order of when the games are being played. That is what chronological order is. Am I? Great LSU education had me figure that out. Um, Florida a and I'm looking to see how A&M responds. A lot of criticism um, about what he's not been able to do at Texas A&M. Uh, paid him too much, this and that. Um, when you look at the AM situation. They have all the resources in the world to be great. They're willing to spend money. They've paid Jimbo a lot of money. To get somebody over like that, that's what you have to pay. Because you pay them a lot of money, and I, I get this, the expectation, you're not going to temper it. But the reality is, just because you pay them a ton of money doesn't guarantee you a title. Um, a, Jimbo Fisher hasn't lost one game at AM that I thought he wouldn't lose, meaning there's not one team with less talent that's beaten him. Now, he beat an LSU team in College Station a couple of years ago that had more talent, and he beat them. But he hasn't lost a game that he shouldn't have lost from a talent standpoint. But I will say that the look of it has not been good thus far this year. And there's an expectation this year that they're – maybe going to take a step. It doesn't look like that. Now, I am curious to see how much better, if at all, they play this week against Florida. I don't think they match up. I don't think they can score points. I don't think Kellen Mond can match points with this Florida offense. And I don't think this AM defense can slow down this Florida offense. So I don't like the matchup. But I do think that AM will respond. 
Look, I think that Florida's better. I think Alabama's better. We saw that last week. Certainly Georgia and Clemson, who AM has played, schedule's very, very difficult. I think this. I think if you lose to Auburn this year, you lose to LSU this year, I mean, you lose a game to one of the Mississippi schools, then you got a game that, mm, boy, it's ugly loss. Jimbo, there's, there's always heat, there's always pressure. Jimbo's going to be back next year regardless of what happens, and he'll have a chance to kind of fix it with another recruiting class. Recruiting's good. The talent level is not as good as those other teams that we're talking about. I think this about the SEC West. As long as Nick Saban's there, everybody's playing for second, and maybe you can catch Magic in a bottle and win the West like LSU did last year. It's not a recurring theme. LSU's not ready to take over Alabama. They're they're not doing that as long as Saban's there. So who's the second-best program in the SEC? Is it Auburn who's beaten Nick Saban a couple of times? Certainly not consistently there. LSU, which if you want to go off of last year, you'd put LSU number two just by the mere fact that last year they were the best in the SEC, the best in the country, and maybe one of the best teams ever. The year runs. Um, A&M should be entering that conversation. In the next year or two, if they're not entering that conversation for number two, or if they don't look like it, if they're – quite a bit below, then, then you you got some real worry. I know it's not good enough in the eyes of most media, in the eyes of most fans. The reality is paying them a lot of money and giving a lot of resources, you're going to have to give it time. There's a culture that needs to be built at AM that's not there yet, and it doesn't happen overnight. The money doesn't guarantee you the win. Oh, but Nick Saban did it at Alabama. That's Nick Saban, and that's Alabama. Jimbo Fisher is not Nick Saban, and A&M's not Alabama. Sorry. Look, I think there's a bit of overreaction, and I am all in on, look, it's going to have to look better in College Station. But I think there's a an expectation that is out of whack. And I know it's due to the money. I get it. I'm not, you know, saying, ooh, it's not fair. Hey, it's fair. Fair to do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. I'm just telling you as a football guy, it, it it's not there. And it's not going to be there for a little while there. But it's doesn't happen overnight in and my concern would be is that it's got to begin to look a little bit better, like it's making progress. There is every reason to look at the AM program right now and say, boy, it's not getting any better. In fact, it may be getting worse. I do think they've struggled with some things this season that, again, everyone's going to get a COVID mulligan. But I do think that needs to start looking better and become more consistent. And so, just in this game, I'm looking to see what they can do here. And I'm certainly looking uh, to see what Florida is able to continue uh, there. Um, Look, I, you know, OU Texas is interesting. You know, I didn't, the 
State Fair of Texas is, I believe it's shut down. I don't believe they're having that. But the game is one in which, um, you know, I'm looking for any defense to step up. I am very curious in North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and again, all in the early window games. See, Virginia Tech has had a lot of guys out with the COVID issue against North Carolina speed. That's a real, real interesting test there. Um, the second window, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> getting choked up thinking about it, Tennessee, Georgia. Yes, Tennessee's improved. Yes, they're getting better. No, they're not ready for Georgia. Um, Georgia would have to contribute to this. I do think Tennessee will play Georgia better than Auburn did. Tennessee's got a better offensive line. I think they've got a better overall running game. Um, I think the defensive front will struggle against Georgia's run game, but I, I do think Tennessee's defense might be just a little tad better than than Auburn's at this point. Um, but there's still a big difference. So, so the ability to dominate up front defensively against Tennessee's offensive line is going to be a bigger challenge than doing it against Auburn, whose offensive line and run game is not good at all thus far. So and do think that this Tennessee team under Jeremy Pruitt is kind of built along the lines of what Georgia is, or they want to be what Georgia is down the road. And I just, they're not there yet. And I think, as I've said on a couple of different platforms this week, look, don't expect Georgia to blow people out. They're not an explode on you offense. They're a team that just grinds you. And at the end of four quarters, when it's 27-13, it doesn't look impressive. Well, if you're not watching the game and you don't know what to look for and you don't understand how to evaluate offensive line play, you don't appreciate what they're doing because they're mauling people. Now, they blew out Auburn. But what they really did is they just mauled them into submission. And it got lopsided. But you've got to really study it and look at it and follow it to see that that's a big mashing there whereas other teams just kind of explode and score 50 and it's it's looks lopsided i think this has a chance to be a third quarter game where i think tennessee can keep it close um i think those things are definitely possible to maybe be a one possession game um, but I do think it's, it's going to be, you know, Tennessee will find out where Tennessee stands up against Georgia. Let's, uh, <clears throat> answer a question here is Burns says Oklahoma's tried different defense coordinators over the past few years. Doesn't look like much has changed. Recruiting has been strong. So it should be personnel Burns. It is personnel. Oklahoma does not have good defensive personnel. And the reason they don't have good defensive personnel is because of their culture at Oklahoma. They've got a very bright head coach who's an offensive coordinator who 
is concerned about how his offense looks and the style in which they play and how they win. And it's winning with offense because then it's, it's him. He's as a head coach has lacked the ability to create a defensive culture that a play an offense that can help your defense and play complimentary ball that can help your defense. He doesn't do that. Two, they don't recruit elite defensive players. And it shows up. It's not a defensive coordinator issue. I'm not saying that who they have is great. I'm just saying until the culture changes, it's a chicken-egg thing. And, you know, you went on and get Alex Grinch. Well, why'd you get Alex Grinch? Well, because he had success at Washington State with Mike Leach, another guy who eschews defense and it's all about offense. So maybe he'll be a fit here. No, the answer at Oklahoma, the answer at Texas, because the resources and the potential at those places, they could do everything that Clemson does, for example. Oklahoma and Texas can do. They've got all the resources. They don't do it. That's on their coaches. They don't recruit elite defensive talent. They don't develop that. Oh, there's a lot of talk that, well, in Texas, there's a lot of seven-on-seven. There are plenty of good defensive players that can run, and there are plenty of players around the country. And I know it's a Texas-centric recruiting base for both of those programs, but it can be done. Texas and Oklahoma do not need to be Big 12 programs. They can be elite programs. You think – if anybody looks at Clemson and say, well, that's an ACC program, no. They look at the rest of the league and say there's an ACC program. Clemson is not an ACC program of anything. They look like an SEC program. They look like they, they play elite football. That's what Oklahoma and Texas could do. They do not do it and haven't done it for a while. And don't tell me, oh, that's over. It can't be done. BS. It can be done. The right guy can make it work. You know, USC is never going to get back. BS. Pete Carroll comes in, gets it back. Alabama was down for a while. Your right guy will fix it at the at certain places. At other places, no, can't be done. Texas and Oklahoma can be done. Will it be done? I don't think this regime is going to be able to do it. We shall see. It's just, it's it's a culture issue issue. It's got to change. You got to focus on it. So instead of trying to figure out how do we look pretty and score 50, how about we recruit and develop players, play good defense, tackle well, emphasize it more. And yeah, we're we're not going to dumb down the offense. We're going to score, but we're going to be just as efficient with the four minute offense as we are with the two minute offense. See, that's the real key. When you want to be good offensively, there's a different many ways you can do it. Many different ways to do it. But let me tell you what you really have to do in the nutshell. Let me sum it up. You better be able to score efficiently in the two-minute offense and a four-minute offense, meaning if you're behind in games, you better be able to throw it when you have to throw it and have success and get the ball in the end zone. When you have a lead, 
You need to be able to run the football. You need to be able to bleed the clock. Keep your defense off the field. They can't score on you. If you protect the football, you got a lead and you can run it. I'm not saying you have to run it every time. Force defenders into the box where you've got easy throws, high percentage throws. But run the football. The best defense, you could take Georgia's defense, which right now looks to be that. Take take a look at some of the great defenses personnel-wise that were just loaded, whoever you want. I guarantee you, you take a defense, and they're on the field for 55 snaps in a game or 85 snaps in a game. Completely different. You can have the best defense that you can absolutely have. If you put them on the field for 25, 30 more snaps a game, that best defense will not look as good late, and they will give up points. That is, in essence, what's happened. Texas and Oklahoma, they're not good defensively, but because their offense is so fast-paced, that defense is on the field over and over and over and over and over again. We're going to outscore you so much that it won't matter that they score against No, how about outscore people, but use some clock, shorten the game, and then you know what? Your defense can maybe come up with a few stops because maybe they're playing with fresher legs in the fourth quarter because they're not playing for 80 snaps, 85 snaps a game. It's just, you know, it's it's fundamental. All right, so Tennessee-Georgia is the feature game in the second window. Uh, I am curious about Kansas State TCU. Um, That is two teams, obviously, that have beaten, well, TCU beating Texas, Kansas State beating Oklahoma. It's a a real challenge, TCU. Can you handle the success now? Going out and beating Texas can play some defense. Not, not, Not great defense, but from a Big 12 standpoint, better than most. Can he handle that? Kansas State is a team, by the way, and you want to know how Kansas State is beating Oklahoma twice? I tell you how they do it. They control the football. They keep Oklahoma's offense off the field more than they normally do. And so their defense, which is pretty good, can now be in better position to shut down that offense and cause problems. So now you got a pass rush for four quarters. That's a little bit fresher. But I'm curious to see there. Pitt, BC. BC's played well at the line of scrimmage. Can Pitt respond? That's in the second window. Um, In the early evening, we've got Alabama, Ole Miss. Ole Miss can't stop anybody. They'll get physically handled in this game by Alabama, and it'll be a runaway. Florida State, Notre Dame, my, how that game is gone. Had a question today on uh, Twitter, and you can send me a question there on Twitter if you like to, at Landry Football. Uh, how bad is Florida State? Well, Florida State's got a culture issue. They've got they've got negative culture. You saw it in the offseason. you got guys that are more me-oriented, calling out coaches and doing this. Uh, you've got issues that need to be corrected beyond just the normal stuff. So Mike has got a – the thing he's got to fix this year is 
change the culture and get guys that are more team oriented, not just worried about making it to the league. Let making it to the league be a byproduct of doing a really good job. Uh, Miami Clemson, I hope is better than I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a Clemson runaway. I think that's going to really come down to it, to that. Um, Mississippi State, Kentucky is going to be real interesting. Kentucky could be 2-0, if lost two, not playing a lot of loose ends, not playing as well as they need to. Mississippi State coming off of a loss after a big win. Um, so that's kind of the look of the the matchups this week. Um, Terrence says, I know people are higher in Tennessee. I just don't see how they score. I, I don't know either. Uh, it's gonna. I know how it has to happen is Darren, Darren Tano is going to have to make some plays that he consistently doesn't make. And it's tough against Georgia because they can rush the passer, defend the run, and cover on the back end. That's why they're very good. Best-looking defense on tape thus far this year that I have seen, better than anybody. So uh, over in the NFL, interesting, we got a uh, Thursday night game. As you're listening to this um, live, you know, uh, if you're listening to this on podcast form, you may be listening to this on Friday. The game may be already over. But curious to see the Bucks offense is starting to round into shape and the defense is playing well. Chicago uh, – they lost um, last week to the Colts, and I'm a little bit concerned about, you know, thought they were fool's gold, and I think they're a little bit overmatched here. Um, Buffalo, Tennessee, we kind of touched on Tennessee a little bit earlier. Buffalo is the real deal, and I just don't know how prepared it's going to be difficult for the Titans. The, Va- uh, the Raiders – Going to Kansas City, don't see their ability to get enough pass rush on Kansas City. That's a concern there. Cardinals, a little concerned about the Cardinals. Uh, that's a team that thought that I had them pegged at the beginning of the year, and then I thought, you know what? This is really neat. They're better than I gave them credit for. I'm excited. Then they go back to what I originally thought. And, you know, learning how to win, consistency is, is king in this league. You know, a lot of people can go out and have a great round of golf turn around and the game is just kaput the next day. The great ones can consistently do it. Cardinals right now, flash, no consistency there. Pittsburgh has to prevent a a letdown there, but got a real advantage over the Eagles. Uh, Washington making a quarterback change. You don't see it doing a whole lot against the Rams. Bengals going to have a hard time protecting Joe Burrow against this defensive front of Baltimore. Jacksonville-Houston. It's maybe a game in which Houston coaching change, interim, maybe they can get one. Jacksonville's played pretty well, but this game Houston can win. San Francisco, do they get back on track? Didn't play well last week against the Eagles. Got Miami. Miami will play hard. Game that I may be as interested as any in watching is the Colts and the Browns. Colts are starting to play better. The Browns are definitely playing better. These are two teams that have got playoff aspirations, and 
they're good teams or young teams. I'm excited about it. Somebody's got to win the NFC East. I don't know who. It's not going to be the Giants. It's not going to be the Redskins. So it's got to be Dallas or Philly. I can't believe I'm even. You know, Dallas has looked really poor. Dallas has a little more talent than Philly because of all the Eagles injuries. But uh, Dallas hosts the Giants. Got to win one here. New England. Get some people back hosting Denver. Seattle hosting Minnesota. I would expect New England and Seattle to take care of business here. Going to be an interesting bye weeks, by the way, are the Lions and the Packers. Uh, Monday night game, the Chargers going up against the Saints. Um, Chargers have not looked like I expected them to look defensively. Um, They're not rushing the passer with consistency. Uh, Saints need to be healthy. They need Ramchek healthy. Without him, they can't run the football nearly as well, and they're struggling. Pockets closing a little bit too quick. Saints not quite back on trap. The, the track, the film doesn't say, "Boy, they're they're back." They're, but as they tend to try to work their way back, if they can get back, this is a game they can't lose. They they blew a game to the Raiders. It's one thing to lose to say Green Bay. It's another thing to lose to the Raiders, a game in which they really blew. They can't blow a game like this at home uh, to the Chargers. Um, Right now, everything's on play. It doesn't look like the storm. The storm should be out of the area. And without fans at the game in New Orleans, uh, it should go off as expected. Hey, again, a couple of things want to remind you before we get on out of here. And a reminder that the guys at the, uh, in defense of the Big 12, Brett um, Kellner and Tyler McComas will be here talking some Big 12 football. No talking about Oklahoma, Texas, the rest of the league. Um, I want to remind you that all the film room breakdowns, college game, the pro game, all on LandryFootball.com. Check it out. Um, we take you through the matchups, what to look for, what I've seen on film to this point, how it applies to this game. Give you a good feel for it, whether you're looking at it from gambling standpoint, just whatever, just want to get a better feel for it. We'll, we'll give you that. Who's uh, what players have graded the highest on each team to this point in the year? We've got that for you as well. Um, we review the games after they're done. So on Mondays we spend time getting all the college reviews up. Who graded out the best in the game and how the game unfolded you know, why it happened, not what happened. You already know that, but why it happened. We do that on Mondays and on Tuesdays, we get all the NFL breakdowns of the previous games up for you. So we do a lot of that. Our notebooks every day, keeping you updated on what's going on around the NFL and college football. We've got that for you. So check it out. We've got a special savings over at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of it. Look, you can try it for a month at $9.99, $9.99 a month, uh, or you can do it, get it for a year where it's less than $5 a month. That's a great value and a great opportunity to become involved. Look, you think about it for one year, it costs less than your entire cable subscription for a month. And you can get a lot of information uh, that it's like having your own scouting and coaching department for uh, at your disposal for uh, less than $5 a month. You can't really beat that. So check it out today. We think you'll love it. Check out all the podcasts that we have up there. Uh, you can sign up for Landry Football's conference call to have the podcast go to your phone. 
Certainly make sure that you check out our uh, this Twitch channel. If you're not watching this on Twitch, um, make sure that you find time to listen to this podcast, the Landry Football Podcast, every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time. Um, go to twitch.tv slash Football and listen to all the great programming that we have, like the Big 12 and the um, the SEC show that Neil McCready and I do, the Big 10 show, the Pac-12 show, the ACC show, Will Dalton is coming in, the Group of Five show that we have on our podcast network, uh, Gridiron Blitz, the NFL Draft show, Football Film Room with Coach Graff out in the West Coast, Miller and Moulton in the morning, Chuck Oliver midday, um, the Scouts Eye show that I do in college and pro football, loaded with football programming all day, so check it out. Um, uh, and <laughs> um, another storm headed your way, Chris. Be safe. Thank you. Rough with the hurricanes. Absolutely it is. So uh, we are hoping and battening down the hatches. So uh, keep it up. But we're going to be here to break it all down for you. So uh, you be safe out there. Appreciate you joining us and appreciate your support over at LandryFootball.com. Check it out for all the latest and make sure that you join us for uh, SEC football and beyond with Neil McCready and I tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned for Big 12 uh, show coming up uh, right after this at the top of the hour. Um, and make sure that you check out the Landry Football Podcast next Thursday. So long, everybody. We appreciate you joining us. Talk to you again next time. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.